The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. So we're going to start on page 70, step 7, humility, it's the principle behind step 7. So humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. In the original manuscript in step 7, it says humbly on our knees holding nothing back, asked him to remove our shortcomings. And when you picture the original manuscript, one, it's humbly on my knees, holding nothing back, asking God to remove my shortcomings. That's like a level of surrender that is like really fucking deep. That's what I want you to picture, like that level of surrender. That's what step seven is. Step six and seven are very different steps. You will hear in the rooms that they're really talked about being the same. They're not the same. And this step seven literature really proves that. Since this step so specifically concerns itself with humility, we should pause here to consider what humility is and what the practice of it can mean to us. So it's going to describe in Bill W.'s version of what humility is and what the practice of genuine humility can fucking bring to your life. And there's five Step seven promises that I'll highlight as we go along in here. And I'd like you, if you want to, highlight or underline them because they're the greatest promises in the program. Indeed, the attainment of greater humility is the foundation principle of each of AA's 12 steps. So it's saying humility is the foundation principle of all 12 steps. And when we're talking about humility, just again to recap, three levels of humility. First level is humiliation. Second level is humbled through pain. Third level is a desire to seek and do God's will. Then in order to get to this desired humility, the top level, you have to go through the bottom levels to get there. And part of that is the humiliation of accepting and admitting 
or fucking acting in your defect and then being humiliated with it and then working out of it, relinquishing it and the humbling through pain because that's what always worked and to not use it's really fucking painful. Or when everyone else is using it and you're trying to not use it and you're kind of the outcast and loner because you're walking that one path that no one's walking, that's painful. Like there's many aspects to these levels of humility, but it is the foundation principle of all the steps. And when you look at step one, it's like being beaten up by alcohol and drugs, defect of character and coming in here and going, holy fuck, I've been sentenced my life is fucked at Cox Anonymous. <laughs> that's kind of how I felt. And that's humiliating, right? Yeah. To see all the good I can do in my life, but I can't control this substance, and I fucking end up here with you fucking guys. That's fucking painful. And then, you know, step two, admitting there's a God when I fucking didn't want anything to do with a fucking God. That's kind of fucking humiliating and painful too. It like all my hairs on my neck stand up when I'm doing that step too. It's like, fuck, who wants that shit? And then admit or turning it over to God in step three. That's fucking humiliating too. When I can look at all the good I can do in my life, but in this area, I have to turn my life over to God. Fuck, who wants to do that? And then looking at your step four and being fully humiliated and accepting some big chunks of truth about yourself that you do not want to accept because you've told yourself a different story of who you are. But when you see it on black and white, you're like, you can't deny it. And then having your sponsor fucking beat you up a bit in your step five, or maybe you beat yourself up in your step five. So there's more humiliation and pain, but kind of underneath all of this, there's a little desire to do God's will, right? Cause he wants you to stay alive you want to be a better person. And then in the step six is really where the rubber meets the road because you actually have to fucking do it now. And now you're going to suffer a lot of humiliation and pain to try to change who you are, essentially. And a lot of who we are are the story that we told ourselves. Like, how many people that you hear in your life go, well, I'm just like this. This is how I am. This is the way I am. We got to forget that shit. Those are all fucking boxes that we hold ourselves in. You're not like that. You're like that based on your life's experience and your ego told you that to try to protect you, but your ego is actually not protecting you. It's causing you to fail and fucking need to pick up. And then through that lot of work in the step six, you come over to this hump and you get into this higher level of humility. And it's not to say that you just stay there all the time. Because desires will always be there that oppose the grace of God. And sometimes you're going to fall back down and live in some step six. But your, your desire is there. And you're not so afraid of the pain anymore. So, unless you develop more humility than is required just for sobriety, no alcoholic can stay sober at all. Nearly all AAs found too that unless they develop much more of this precious quality than may be required for sobriety, oops, they still haven't much of a chance of becoming truly happy. There's your first promise of the step seven. You want to be truly happy? Then the attainment of greater humility is a fucking requirement. And without it, they cannot live to much useful purpose. 
or in adversity, that's important because life is adversity. Be able to summon the faith that can meet any emergency. There's another promise. You will have the faith in God that can meet any fucking emergency. For if the alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through the work and self-sacrifice for others, he will not meet the certain trials and low spots in life ahead. And the adversity is the trials and the low spots. Because the tragedies coming down the fucking pipe in every one of our lives. And we need to be strong in our relationship with God so that we're able to fucking keep our head above water. Because there is death and there is accidents, there is diseases, there's a lot of fucking tragedies of life that we can avoid. And with God, we can meet any emergency. It's been my experience so far. I haven't experienced any major death in my life. And I hope I don't have to. But, you know, I believe I could meet the challenge with my creator if I had to. But I don't want to. You know, and like on that note, like in many respects, like I've gotten to the point and I'm not asking for this creator, like that, like I'm okay to die. Like I'm actually, I could be okay with it, but I wouldn't want that for my family because they would fucking probably not be okay with it. Right. So, but I would be, because I really trust if creators, it's time for creator to take me home then I must go home. And I think another thing society fucking teaches us in our society that's not really good is that death is bad. In our native culture, we were taught, we're taught in the old traditional teachings that birth and life is, is the same as death. And they're both to be honored and accepted. And they have their, you know, their pros and their cons of each, but you know, the death part in our society is really looked upon as something like really bad. And the thing about self is we attach to people's deaths, all of those emotional threads. And then we'll even keep like our old grandpa who's like fucking 105 <laughs> on a fucking machine. And he can't fucking remember your name for the last 10 years. He can't walk, he can't do anything, but he's hooked up to a machine so he can breathe. So you can still say you got a grandpa. Right? That's like how far this has gone where people need to be gone and we just keep them hooked up because we fucking need them there. No, we need to learn how to fucking let them go at peace and be okay with that and then bring them into our higher power. Because this is a physical fucking life and our spirit is not fucking dead. And when you think of like in your own brain, when you think of your thoughts... Um, you can notice your thoughts, right? Who notices the thought though? Who sees the thought? If you're you and you're what you think you are based on who you think you are and what you say and what you look like, who's noticing the thought? It's something greater. And that is the God, that is the intuition that we try to get in touch with. And like I said many times, through the processes of the steps, we realize things about self. We self-realize, we self-realize, we self-realize. Then we get to a point where we realize we're not that self. We're something greater than that. Like we're the essence of love in our heart and that, that thing that watches thought.
Because that thing that watches thought doesn't actually have any judgment on, on much, right? It's, it's just there. So, humility as a word as an ideal. Think about this in our society. The humility as a word as an ideal has a very bad time of it in our world. Not only is the idea misunderstood, the word itself is often intensely disliked. In the rooms, the word is misunderstood. Think about the topic humility on the board. There's always a thousand versions of what people want to fucking share on humility. Um, Also, the word is intensely disliked because people associate it with humiliation. Many people haven't even a nodding acquaintance with humility as a way of life. So what we're trying to do is having way more than a nodding acquaintance with humility as the way of life. A desire to seek and do God's will is what humility is, and that would be the way of life. But most people haven't even a nodding acquaintance with that because they're so self-concerned because that's the foundation of our society. And when you think of what a nodding acquaintance would be, it's like two... 5,000 people on 17th Ave on the Red Mile, two people that don't know each other walk by, their eyes meet and they nod. That's it. That's like fucking nothing. Most of us don't even have that as humility as a way of life. So we need much more of this. With great intelligence, men of science have been forcing nature to disclose their secrets. These immense resources now being harnessed promise such a quantity of material blessings that many of have come to believe that the man-made millennium lies just ahead. Poverty will disappear and there will be such an abundance that everybody can have all the security and personal satisfactions he desires. The theory seems to be that once everybody's primary instincts are satisfied, there won't be much left to quarrel about. And I remember in my life, as I was building my company and making my mark in society and in this world, You know, I remember the girls, you know, can we help the kids or the dogs or can we help the kids in Africa or can we help? And I'd be like, when we got our ship figured out, we'll fucking help the homeless, right? That's exactly what this is saying. Once my shit's taken care of, yeah, I'll fucking help everybody, right? The world will then turn happy and be free to concentrate on culture and character. Because really, I really did want to concentrate on that too. Like I remember, yeah, fuck would be nice to help the kids in Africa be nice to help the homeless people be really nice and that feeling that it would be nice was enough to give me some satisfaction out of it but really that was my heart speaking going that's really what I should do but I've been kind of conditioned to do something else right solely by their own intelligence and labor men will have shaped their own destiny Certainly no alcoholic and certainly no member of AA wants to deprecate material achievement. So again, as we go through this process, I'm going to talk a lot about the material world. And I'm not here to deprecate it, right? That's important. Nor do we enter into the debate with the many who so passionately cling to the belief that to satisfy our basic natural desires is the main object of life. A lot of people live that life out there. And some of them are fine and happy. A lot of them aren't, but they don't know what else to do because they've never gotten the gift that we've gotten and they have a lot of pride and they'll never be able to find, you know, that truth. So they just keep going in the rabbit cage or the fucking hamster cage doing the same fucking shit until they die with no purpose, really. 
But we are sure that no class of people in the world ever made more of a mess of trying to live by that formula than us alcoholics. For thousands of years, we have been demanding more than our share of security, prestige, and romance. When we seemed to be succeeding, we drank to still greater dreams. When we were frustrated, even in part, we drank for oblivion. Never was there enough of what we thought we wanted. That is my life in a nutshell right there. I remember when I was standing at the turning point when I was 22 and I'm looking at the world going, what's the fucking point? I looked around and went, fuck, I need to get rich. That's going to fucking solve it. That's what it looks like. All the billboards and the TV shows and people and it looks like people that are rich are happy. So I'm going to do that. So then I started doing that. Then I remember I made like, you know, let's just say my first million dollars. I was like, fuck, thought that would be enough. I always thought a million dollars a year was going to be fucking more than enough. But once I got it, it was fucking not enough. I needed two. My fucking first nice truck wasn't nice enough, so I had to get another one. Like, my first Bobcat wasn't enough. I needed, like, five more. Like, two million wasn't enough. I needed three more. The very first house I ever bought was a fucking million-dollar house on Paradise Road. I didn't even have enough money for it. We started it with the swear jar at my house. (laughs) The kids and my ex-wife started a swear jar and then that was what started us to buy this house. But you, right? Yeah. And I sold drugs. So I had like a lot of cash cash. I don't talk about me selling drugs much, which is weird. But I bought this big, huge house. I didn't even start with like a small little starter house. I'm like, Fuck, people are going to fucking love me in this house, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, never was there enough of what I thought I wanted. That's my life. And I remember my wife, Shannon, my ex-wife, that I never married. So it's kind of a farce when they call her my wife. My daughters give me the gears all all the time. Anyway, she wanted me to marry her. Like, since we were, like, new together for a long time. And I was with her 15, 16 years and I was always like, no, we'll marry, I'll marry you like when we have like, this is all kind of set up. We have enough money and, you know, I'll, I'll marry you when we move the location of the shop and fucking we're a little more settled and I'll marry you when we have our house. I'll marry you. I realized when I read this line like six years ago, I was like, fuck, I was never going to marry her. <laughs> fucking poor woman. She fucking is always just all she wanted. And it still makes her really sad today that I never married her, right? And there's a lot of guilt and shame for me in that. But that's just how I am. I'm a selfish and self-centered alcoholic. I have a spiritual malady that I need fucking relief and I only get it through things and stuff and validation. But it made me very sick and angry and violent. So in all of these strivings, So many of them well-intentioned. You always hear me talk about the best of intentions. Underneath intention is the motive. Motive is most important to uncover. Our crippling handicap had been our lack of humility. Think of that. Crippling handicap had been our lack of humility. We lacked a perspective to see that character building and spiritual values had to fucking come first. That material satisfactions were not the purpose of living, but that's what I made the purpose of living. 
Quite characteristically, we had gone all out in confusing the ends with the means. Instead of regarding the satisfactions of our material desires as by the means which we could live and function as human beings. We had taken these satisfactions to be the final end aim of life. So many people in this world make the material satisfactions and status and career the sole end aim of their life. And they lay by the wayside the fucking love and the character building and the relationships. And then they miss, the, they miss life. Like I didn't even wake up in my own life till I burnt my life to the ground. I'm so grateful in so many ways that I lost, you know, everything. Because I would have fucking still been miserable. And, you know, to have my daughter here and me say that, you know. Because I affected them a lot, right? Like, my daughters were all in, like, these schools and they played these sports and they were in dance. And they, they had, like, really great lives as children. And my wife had a great life. I was a great provider. Um, they walked on eggshells around me, you know, fuck, I come home too grumpy, Sean and my wife's like, okay, kids, don't talk to dad today, just let them watch hockey, right, <laughs> that kind of thing, but I was a good provider, and I was a good dad, I was a natural dad, but I was, I had old ideas, and I had a lot of fucking anger, and so to rip their lives apart with my addiction, and make them like homeless, and like, since my addiction took us out, like, they've all suffered their own trials and tribulations of pain, right? My wife went way down self-pity victim fucking to the point where she wanted to die. You know, Lucy's had her own struggles. Jillian and Lila, too, my other daughters. And, you know, for me to say that losing all that was like a great gift to me is kind of hard. But it is, Right? And kind of where it paid off to me in a way, in a sense of this way of life is like two years ago, Lucy came up to me and she fucking made an amend to me for her own stuff. And she didn't know about the program. And she said, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done, everything that you've been through and teaching me because I wouldn't be right where I am if it wasn't for you and what you've gone through. And I just want to tell you that I love you. And that was at my, uh, just after my sixth year sobriety, right? And, uh, and they went through hell. But I'm a way better father today in like love and character and, and in a lot of different ways than I ever was before. I taught them judgment. I taught them cunt violence. I taught them a lot of things that were fucking really, really bad. And Lucy started her teenage life with a lot of those fucking traits. You know, I remember you fucking beating up people and fucking girls were scared shitless of you. Right? In school. And then Jillian, my other daughter. Oh, you're Lucy's sister? Fucking talk to Jillian, right? Like all of these like negative things that were transmitted, but now it's like turned the other way. That's why I always say, don't ever worry. Just fucking, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead, the book says. The reconstruction is you. You don't need to fix fucking nothing except you. And you can't do it alone. You have to do it with God's help. The relationships were all fixed themselves. Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. If they don't fix themselves, then they don't. 
That's fine. But in my experience and the people I've worked with in my own life, everything will come together. And it will all work itself out in a way better way than you can fucking force it to. So the ones that have, you know, maybe been not the greatest mom or dad or brother, sister, son, that'll all be fine. Don't worry. Just work on yourself. Build your relationship with God. Be love. And fucking you'll have the fucking boundary of self-love to fucking navigate your whole life. And you won't have to live in the shame or the expectation of other people's validation and shit. Right? And so it's so beautiful to watch my daughter here grow in the last year, she's just... I know she hasn't been talking to her sponsor, Melanie, over there, or doing her step four, but... And I could see it tonight when Melanie walked by. I'm like, hey, that's the fucking ghosting your sponsor guilt look. <laughs> and then I asked her, she's like, yeah. Anyway. So we got 10 more minutes. Let's keep going. True, most of us thought good character was desirable like I did. But obviously good character was something one needed to get on with the business of being self-satisfied. With the proper display of honesty and morality, we'd stand a better chance of getting what we really fucking wanted. And if you're here taking notes or underlining, I would highly, highly suggest you underline with the proper display of honesty and morality we'd stand a better chance of getting what we really wanted. I get call after call as a sponsor and a pillar of people struggling with whatever it is in their life. I bet you in my whole sponsorship career, this is the page that I've flipped to the most out of any page in all the literature. And that is the line right there that I've repeated more out of my mouth in relation to whatever the person is going through in whatever situation that they're living in. And I always tell them, open your book, page 72. Because it tells me with a proper display of honesty and morality. I always be honest in every situation and I be fucking moral. And I stand a better chance of getting what I really fucking want. And I always ask people when I sponsor them, what do you really want? Most of them don't know. But when you get peeled back the layers of what they think they want to what they actually want... They want love. They want vulnerability. They want to know that somebody fucking has their back and they can have somebody else's back. And what you really fucking will get out of being honest and vulnerable is you'll get what you always fucking wanted. But sometimes the risk is, seems risky. Do I tell the truth? Should I tell my boss? Should I fucking tell him the truth? Should I tell my husband or wife? Should I tell my friend? Like... What do you, you're not going to tell them why. Because you don't want the conflict. Because you're playing God. Because you're trying to fucking arrange the lights, the camera, the ballet. You know how it's going to turn out. But you don't know how it's going to turn out. And I can't tell you how many times they've went and said what they needed to say. And I always say, you know what, just go ask God. Ask God to speak through me. I need your words, God. You be honest and vulnerable and you tell them the truth because it's from love. Don't tell them from fear because they'll feel it. You tell them from love and it'll work out fucking way better. And they have. And it's worked out like 99.9% .9 better always. 
And there's been times, and I give pretty fucking solid advice where I'm like, this is what you do. You can do it or not, but this is what I suggest you do. A lot of people won't do that, but I will. I'm batting 100% with it, so my confidence in that is pretty good. And I've had to tell people things that they've had to go tell their wives that they didn't want to tell them. But then the call that I get two weeks later, where it's like the peace of mind that I have right now is worth the 40000 that she took out of my bank account. And I don't even want the $40,000 back. And I'm like, you just keep doing the right things, bro, and the fucking forty grand will come back in your account. And if it doesn't, and you've let it go, fuck it. And typically, he's let it go to the point where it fucking shows up back in his account. Right? And that's like just a small example. You have to be honest and moral. And us as sponsors, that line holds you accountable as a sponsor to be honest and moral in your own life because you're going to fucking tell people to do that. So you got to do it. I remember sponsoring in the early fucking years, first year and second year, going, yeah, you got to do this and you got to do that. And in the back of my mind, fuck, I'm not even doing any of that. And then I'd be like, fuck, you're such a hypocrite. But that's kind of the gold in it, right? It teaches you to be more accountable to yourself and to what it says. And then as you gain experience more in it, you can fucking deliver it more authentically, right? But that is one very important line that you should fucking always remember. Try to burn that into the consciousness of your mind. But whenever we had to choose between character and comfort, character building was lost in the dust of our chase of what we thought was happiness. How many times did I fucking leave the character building behind in the dust of what I needed in that moment that I thought was going to bring me happiness. So I went against my own core of self and I just did something else because it was always lost in the dust of what I thought was going to bring me happiness. Seldom did we look at character building as something desirable in itself, something we would like to strive for whether our instinctual needs were met or not. This is fucking super key important too. We never thought of making honesty, tolerance, true love of man and God the daily basis of living. I remember when I read that line and it punched me right in the heart. I was about two years sober and I had been believing the literature and I got more and more invested in the words and what this was saying. And it was about 18 or somewhere two years in. I was like, I'm taking this shit as word. I'm taking it as fucking word. And then I read this line and I'm like, holy fuck, is that the daily basis of what living is? Honesty and tolerance and true love of all man and God? That's the basis of life? And then I remember going, fuck, I'm going to try that. That was a game changer for me. And I fucking went another level of surrender. And then I went and read this. And then like months and months, maybe a year later, some of what I read in this next paragraph fucking again just twisted what I just said about that line. So that's another one you should probably highlight or double underline. This whole paragraph is gold though. This lack of anchorage to any permanent values. I wasn't anchored to any fucking thing except myself. I didn't have an anchorage. This blindness to the true purpose of our lives. Produced another bad result. Just so long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively on our own individual strength and intelligence, 
for just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible. Working on your own strength and intelligence and not bringing God in. For just that long, a working faith in a higher power is fucking impossible. That's what I mean. It's not a theory. God cannot be a theory. This was true even when we believe God existed. So if you believe God existed in your life, this is a good one. We could actually have earnest religious beliefs which remain barren because we are still trying to play God ourselves. So if you have earnest religious beliefs and you believe in God, it will remain barren because you're playing God yourself, which is why it's so important to follow the clear-cut directions within this literature that actually allows me to turn it over to God. And you're not going to get everything that you fucking think you want when you do this. Remember, God is the seemingly good and the bad. God is either fucking everything or nothing. He's not the good only. As long as we place self-reliance first in any area, a genuine reliance upon a higher power was out of the fucking question. Genuine reliance upon God was out of the question. That basic ingredient of all humility, a desire to seek and do God's will, was fucking missing. And I remember when I read that line, this third part, Notice how he punches it home three times in that paragraph. He really wants you to understand something. And the one that got me the most was the last one. As long as I place self-reliance first or genuine reliance upon a higher power is out of the question. And I thought about that. I'm like, holy fuck. I'm like, I always say God's fucking everything to me. God's everything. And I believe that. And then I read that line. And it, and it says... That if I place self-reliance first, then a general reliance upon him is out of the fucking question. That means God's nothing. So then I was like, fuck, is God nothing then? And then that just, whoosh, the screws to myself and that fucking ramped up my game even more. And it allowed me to perform step six at a higher level. So that I really fucking, because I wanted to do as well by that point. And I still do. So I read this stuff all the time. I'm in it all the time because I sponsor so much, right? And I just, every time I get to do a step three and a step seven with somebody, I'm on my knees re-surrendering to God all the time. When you sponsor as much as I do, you're fucking on your knees quite a bit. <laughs> so it's a good thing though, right? It keeps me fucking really on the beam. So anyway, um, I thought we'd get that finished tonight, but <laughs> we'll finish it next week. Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time.